Rockets and 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode attached to book 36, Ice, a labyrinthine long tale of everything, basically. So it ranked very highly in our main episode, so we'll do our little bonus episode. And we start, as always, with having a look at the additions. Well, do we want to look at our additions first or look at the main ones? I don't know. Which way around shall we do? Let's do the... Let's do our copies because I'm I'm excited to get to to the one that you've got, Morgan. So you can start. Please describe. Go on then. Um, yeah. Well, my uh, edition it's it's uh, the Crime Masterwork series um, edition, oh. num- number eight in the Crime Masterwork series uh, from Orion Books. Uh, so it's uh, kind of purple in color, mm-hmm. and it's basically a photographic negative of some city kind of high rise blocks. Uh, taken from the ground, kind of looking up. It doesn't really tell you very much about the the book at all, to be honest. But it looks right. quite nice. Um, okay. And it's the uh, it's the just to get the details of the actual edition. This edition published in two thousand and two by Orion Books. Well, mine's actually the Book People Limited um, edition. It came in a, a a box set produced for the Book People of a number of the Crime Masterworks series. Yeah. Um, which my dad had, uh, and which I, which he then passed on to me. So I've got this and um, the Laughing Policeman, my first um, Martin Beck novel, and yeah. Choir Boys by Joseph Wambau, and a number of other things all at once um, in two thousand and two, which was uh, a great day. Yeah, that's not a bad haul at all, is it? And so yeah, but yeah, photographic negative of city. Yeah, that, which... that's it basically. Okay, and what edition have you got, Steve? I've got the Pan mm-hmm. 1983 edition. So it's a gold stripe pan that says a new 87th Precinct mystery on the front. Yeah, and it's £1.95 on the back. Well, funnily enough, I have that, but I have two copies of it <laughs> for some reason. I think mm. I was buying one for my brother and then realised he'd already got it. So I've got essentially the same one. And well, do you want to describe the the cover, Steve? For the, an the artwork, icy gun that's an icy emerging gun. out of a block of ice with some light pinging off its barrel. Yes, it's, it's reasonably well done, isn't it? It's not a bad cover, actually. This one, I don't think. I think it's quite conceptually, it's quite a nice idea. An ice sculpture of a gun, uh, yeah. photographed as always by Colin Thomas. Indeed. I've got two copies of it. So, and I thought they were identical because they both say ice and they're both a new 87th precinct mystery but one retailed for two pounds 50 and one retailed for 399 just later re-releases then wasn't they well i can tell you that the one the one the one that cost two pound 50 was the fourth printing and the one that was 399 was the oh where is it the eighth printing and i found one more thing that's different between different between them and that is on the list of also by ed mcbain in the front cover in the earlier one it lists the mcbain brief but they've misspelled it and it's the mcbrain brief mcbrain i like it that's great the the nico mcbrain brief (laughs) and and in the later one they've just removed that from the list rather than correct it they've just taken it out excellent so original editions then should we begin with us hardback I'll describe this one. I'll I'll take the, this difficult challenge on. It's a black cover. It's the word ice in sort of 
raised letters or made to look like carved diamond edges. Mm. And then it just says a major new novel about the world of the 87th precinct in red underneath it. It's a it's a bold statement, but it's it looks more like an advert than a book cover. It does. Yeah. It really does. So that's that's what it looked like originally. It's it's bold, let's put it that way. Do you want to describe the US paperback, the next one, somebody? Which is yeah. is that the one with the guy blasting through, peeping through a hole? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's got some blocky lettering carved out of ice. And then there's a man with a gun peeping through a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and a little trickle of blood. A little trickle of blood, and he's peeping through, but you can't really see him. Um, <laughs> Whose blood is it supposed to be? Well, he, I think he's cut himself on the ice. <laughs> well, it can be sharp, can't it? Yeah. And that can't be the person, the perpetrator of this crime, because that guy in no way is a bloody... <laughs> undergraduate student he looks about 45 yeah not got the not got the right type of gun either i don't think no from my very limited understanding of guns so that's just somebody who's just chanced upon the uh, photography uh, yeah. session i think he's just ruined hours of building an ice sculpture yeah. of the word ice and smashed it just a bit it's an interesting one what do we think then uh, any good well that yeah. one yeah well, quirky <laughs> It's quite it, looks, it looks all right. It, it looks more like it should be for the the cover of like a graphic novelization of Ice rather than the actual book. I think. So yeah. yeah, it's quite cartoony. Yeah, it is. I quite like the next one. Yeah, do you want to describe that, Morgan? The next one. This um, is the UK hardback. So this the one. It's it looks like it's actually sort of. Ed McBain just in blocky blue letters at the top, and then ice kind of like it's in big black blocky letters, but buried sort of under ice. Yeah, does yeah, it look it like, like frozen and in a block with of some, ice? Yeah. Some uh, wads of cash, which are also kind of uh, encased in this ice. And uh, yeah. Ed, uh, what else is going on in there? It's quite hard to see, really. Are there bags of powder in there yeah. too, or am I imagining that? Well, I think there might be, but it is like I say, it's very hard to see. It's uh, it's a, an intriguing image. Mm. It's mysterious, just like the uh, the plot. Quite. No, it's not bad, that one. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I understand why that is what it is, which yes. is not something you can always say about these book covers. <laughs> and the, the last one is the UK paperback, which we've described as Steve and I have that copy, which is the Ice Sculpture Gun, which I think is possibly my favourite of all of those. Yeah, it's, really. it's a good one. Uh, they all bear more relation to the book than uh, my edition anyway, so they've done well. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Do you want to do a book huffing? Yep. Oh, go on, Steve, you open the huff. <sighs> Medium huff, I would say for that. Medium. <laughs> Medium. <laughs> Morgan, do you want to try out let's, your let's more modern edition? Mm. Yeah, it's it's starting to get just a little kind of sweet mustiness about it. Yes. Nice when they're sweet, aren't they? Mm. Well, it's a different paper stock, isn't it? And I've got I've got two to check on here, so well. you have to, everyone will have to bear with me. I'll start with the Double slightly mm, slightly newer one. Ooh. Oh, that's quite... There's a slight... Uh, to utilise the phrase I think you've used before, so it's like perfumey tang to that. It's quite <laughs> nice. That's, I'll, I'll make sure I do the same page the other tang. one. Perfumey tang. Yeah, that's, you're always saying that, I'm sure. 
and I'll do exactly the same page and just same page. <laughs> it's not. They're very very similar and quite nice. I can. I'm. I'm quite happy with those. So everyone oh, can rest assured our our copies are, are all nicely smelling and nobody's been upset. Phew. Well, let's have some more life in 1983. And I've got the US and the UK top 10 singles chart. So I won't make you try and guess unless you really feel that you you want to. But can you, have you got a general feeling of what the sort of thing might be in the charts around around then, in the top 10 anyway? This is um, 30th of March, 1983. I'm pretty sure the Arrhythmics were very popular in 1983. You wouldn't be wrong. I only know that because I seem to remember Sweet Dreams was released that year, wasn't it? It was, and at this particular point, it was at number five in the UK charts. Ooh, wow. Um, what do you reckon? Anything anything else particularly was dominating? Moon, was Moonlight Shadow 1983? You tell me, Steve-O. I think it might have been. have been around then, yeah. How high did it get in the charts? Well, it got to number one, didn't it? Did it? Did it? I don't know. Uh, it's not in number one anyway at this, in this anyway, week. I'm not sure. Not. I'm trying to think who would have been, been sort of hitting the top around then. Like, was, was that sort of Books Fizz era? Was not, was Bowie having a bit of a renaissance? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Let's Dance era kind of. Yeah, so Let's things. Dance was was number two on its on its way up here as well, I think. So it's it's pretty much as you'd expect from just those two things, like Bowie, big, long-standing name. Even by the early eighties, he's been around for a while, and you know, you know, he's he's an old hand at this stuff, really. Mm-hmm. And then there's the newer people coming along, like the Eurythmics and even newer people than that, I would say. So, like, the UK top tens, number one is, is there something I should know by Duran Duran? Of course, yeah. Oh. Then Let's Dance by Bowie. Then Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Oh, God. Powerful, powerful music. Then Speak Like a Child by The Style Council. I don't know what that goes like. They've got a couple of memorable songs, then many other hits, none of which I can ever remember. Fair enough. Um. Then we've got Sweet Dreams by Eurythmics at number five. And a thing at number six called Boxer Beat by Joe Boxers. Joe Boxers were all right, actually. Yeah, kind of like a bit sort of like mod throwback, kind of slightly new wavy, moddy kind of um, stuff. They're they're okay at their moments. Fair enough. And number seven, Don't Talk to Me About Love, Insist Altered Images. Oh, what a cracker. Why didn't I remember that? Excellent. Yeah. That's all right. But at number eight is Rip It Up by Orange Juice. Oh, all the uh, Scottish indie sneaking in there. Yeah. <laughs> number nine is Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye by Bananarama. Oh, brilliant. And number 10 is Rock the Boat by Forrest. I don't know who Forrest are with two R's. No. So that's what was going on in the UK. And yeah, there's a bit more rock in the uh, American charts at this point. But... But and but a lot of pop as well. Hmm. So we've got Billy Jean is at number one. Oh, but we've got some British influence because number two is "Do You Really Want to Hurt Me" by Culture Club, followed by "Hungry Like the Wolf" by Duran Duran at three. Then Lionel Richie getting quite uh, what's the word enigmatic with a song called "You Are." <laughs> I, I am what Lionel? I just do not know. We've got The Pretenders, who are back on the chain gang at number five. Oh, yeah. And we've got a Kenny Rogers and Sheena Easton song at number six. We Got Tonight. They've Got Tonight, or We've Got Tonight, <laughs> They've Got Tonight. And number seven, Mr. Roboto by Styx. <laughs> oh, amazing. And then that's just above <laughs> Separate Ways, Worlds Apart by Journey. 
Oh, crikey. Oof. And we've got One on One by Daryl Hall and John Oates at number nine. And a Golden Earring song at number ten with Twilight a, Zone. A Golden Earring song that isn't Radar Love. I know. That's, I was, never catch on. That's why it's called Twilight Zone, because it's just too much of a mystery how it's not uh, <laughs> Radar Love. There was an interesting time in terms of the charts there, because there's still like a, there's a bit of a rock influence. The UK's got a lot of indie in there. Yeah. A little bit of novelty, a bit of, yeah. So it's kind and, of all over the place, isn't it, really? Yeah. And I don't think we've had a showing of British bands in the American charts for a little while. So it's, you know, interesting. The Culture Club up at number two. Yeah, and so, there you go. sneaking in there too, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting stuff. So that was that was music. And we skipped through that quite quickly because I want to get onto films and TV. 1983 in films, fellas. What was it? What was going on? Uh, it, yeah. yeah, Return of the Jedi. Quite simply, the you know biggest grossing film of the year, obviously. With a very stupid <laughs> well, end. You know, it's almost like Star Wars doesn't learn from its previous mistakes. But uh, <laughs> there's already eight billion podcasts with people moaning about Star Wars things, so we'll <laughs> leave that for other <laughs> other people. There's a few interesting ones in the in the top, top ten ranking films. Terms of Endearment was a huge one. Flashdance. Oh, Trading Places. See, I, would, I didn't know that that was quite as, as big a film as it was. Hmm. We get to War Games. Oh, and Oh, yeah. And a Bond film. Uh, Octopussy. There's two Bond films in 1983. And Never Say Never Again. Well, Octopussy is the one in the top ten. There's, yeah, and then there's uh, Never Say Never Again. Yeah. yeah. The, the year of the Battle of the Bombs. But Octopussy yeah. won, basically. Yeah, I've been to Udipur where a lot of that's filmed in India. Ooh. Watched watched it on like a VHS on like a massive old telly whilst eating my tea. That's... Uh, they like they like to show it repeatedly. It was great. <laughs> An immersive experience. But as Bond film goes, it's very, very silly. It's extremely yeah. silly, isn't it? Yeah. Love it. It's amazing how with Bond you can almost pick out any film to a to a point and say ah that's what people think of when they think of Bond, but it's because that's the the weirdness with the franchise. Because a lot of people Octopussy is like, well that's Bond. It's weird. It's silly. It's is that the one with the Q disguised as a crocodile or something? And, <laughs> um, yep. It's, it's someone who uses a, a, a yo-yo with razor blades on it. And, uh, yeah. Something like and that. And then it's got the tennis player who, like, fends people off with a tennis racket. <laughs> and then a guy with a big blunderbuss gun on top of an elephant. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Q disguised as a crocodile. <laughs> Those are the ingredients you need to make $68 million at the box office. Yeah, and the other Bond film, that's pretty ridiculous as well. Isn't it just a, basically a, a really, like a remake of Thunderball? Yeah, it is, yeah. Kevin McClory, he was one of the original writers, I think, producers, and then... Um, he was he was allowed to make his own version ten years after Thunderball was released, and so he eventually got it, uh, and he did it with Sean Connery, who looks about sixty five years old. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks really old. He's not the most dynamic Bond in that one, is he? By any means, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, so that was at number six in the 
top 10 films of the year. Then we have Sudden Impact at seven. Oh, yeah. We have Staying Alive at eight. Ooh. We have number nine, we have Mr. Mom. <laughs> and number 10, Risky Business. Yeah, there's not a huge amount going on, really, is there? <laughs> no, it's it's all a bit franchisey or or genre-y, mm. I think, at the point. But there's some great TV comes out in 1983, which is what I wanted to get to, really. Mm-hmm. In the in the US, we have the debut of. Are you ready for this? The A Team. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Well, sense, uh, yeah. what's his name? Was on the A Team, wasn't he? Yeah, culture club man. Yes, oh, he was. Man. Yeah, Absolutely, boy George. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a good crossover. But yeah, the A Team was one of the constants of our lives growing up as kids, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it was, oh, a, it was brilliant. Absolutely. Let's brilliant. see what they do to the van this week. <laughs> and yeah, can t- talk endlessly about that. But, uh, I used to have little A Team figures, little sort of four-inch uh, articulated yeah. figures. And yeah, you used to play with good. them in the garden and how it used to take photos of them using the film camera. So mum would send off the, the film to get <laughs> to get developed, thinking it was photos from a holiday or whatever, or, you know, a break. And uh, it'd come back and there'd be all these... And I wasn't doing anything exciting with them. I was literally just standing them up on a wall and taking photos of them. <laughs> yeah, they were quite good. I, I had loads of those. Um, got all the baddies as well. Colonel Decker, Native American dude as well i remember him he was good <laughs> drive around in the a-team van excellent yeah so big part of uh, of growing up in the 80s that as was the next one which was a cartoon called he-man and the masters of the universe <laughs> oh yeah which i still love to this day yeah I've, i watched a very good documentary about that on netflix a few weeks months ago yeah there's a there's been a couple of bits on on netflix there's the toys that made us series and there is a documentary specifically about this yeah have you seen it i've seen it yeah 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 it's quite quite good it's one of the one where the toys came first didn't it and then they they kind of made the cartoon to sell the toys yeah and they all kind of got totally out of control with all these millions of things that these fellows were just inventing that were just totally bananas basically <laughs> yeah it did get very bonkers very quickly but it's it's got a place in a lot of people's hearts as does Shira, which i i really loved i remember seeing the Shira movie in the cinema in scarborough when i was a kid and i've just finished watching the last series of the new Shira that's been on netflix yeah. and it's been absolutely brilliant <laughs> so it's amazing the legacy that these things have and how long they can last yeah. before i got onto two very sad uh, programs finishing Oh, two programs sadly finishing, not sad programs. Mm. We have there is a, another debut that you'll be very interested in, and there was thirteen episodes of this animation, and it was Rubik the Amazing Cube, the cartoon. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow! If anyone's ever seen this, who's just let us know because it baffles me. I don't think it ever got over here. How do you get thirteen episodes out of that? Endless narrative <laughs> possibilities. 13 minutes, I think you'd be doing well. Can you imagine what actually happens in it? I, I really no. can't. No, well, clearly... Really searching for something to get all the colours all on, you know, maybe. Well, actually, the the cube does come to life. So the cube is called Rubik in this, and it com- comes to life when you get the sides all lined up properly. 
and a little face on him. And I just looked at one of the pictures of it and I thought, I never want to see that in my life. And I love cartoons. I'm going to look that up now. What was it called? Rubik, the Amazing Cube. (laughs) We're just going to take a moment while Steve-O looks it up. Oh my God, that looks awful. (laughs) There we go. That was the right response. Looks like a... It's got like a Smurf face. Oh, it's horrible. It's just not right. That cube ain't right. No. But yeah, no one's been rushing, like demanding a Blu-ray of Rubik the Amazing Cube. Not yet. I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe after this episode goes up. But yeah, two shows in America that end. We have the last episode of MASH, which remains, I believe, the most watched episode of TV ever, Hmm. with 125 million viewers. Yeah. And we have Pray Silence for the last ever episode of Quincy M.E., Oh, God. Did he get sacked eventually? No, he didn't get due, sacked. Due to going beyond his jurisdiction. Probably got <laughs> retired off, wasn't he? Yeah, he got passed off somewhere else. A bit like uh, Turn Him Loose Bruce got shoved around the system. <laughs> I can't understand what happened at the end of Quincy. Went and got bogged down in jurisdictional issues somewhere else in <laughs> yeah. the country. Now, I've definitely seen the last episode of Quincy because I've seen all episodes of Quincy, but uh, off the top does, of my head... Does it end, end, plot-wise, or does it just end? I think it might. I think he might end up just going off with his wife, yeah. his new wife at the end. Am I right? I don't know. Oof. Go on, I can't believe I can't you've, remember. You've, bl- you've blanked it out. must have been a... He must have got sacked then, mustn't he, if you can remember. <laughs> no, I'm just pretending it never ended. I'm just still making up new episodes every week in my head. That's why. Awful end. <laughs> just, yeah, the last episode just opens with him on a slab. <laughs> <laughs> that, Sam shaking his head. I told you. I always knew this would happen. I told you to stop interfering. Yeah. Anyway, in the UK, we have quite, a, 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 again, another good selection of things debuting anyway, such as the Black Adder series, series one of the Black Adder, which is very strange when you watch it if you've only seen the later series. It's quite yeah, different. Yeah, that, that, that first series is odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's not quite right, but it's still very good. I still quite like it. We have a cartoon series called Banana Man. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, but I wonder if that ever got over to America because that's very silly. Um, Tim, Bro- Tim Brooke Taylor narrated that, didn't he? Yeah, well, the goodies basically did the voices for it. Yeah. So Now, Steve-O, you'll like this one as well. Uh, 1983 has the debut of Taggart. Oh, right. <laughs> Would you like to describe Taggart for the listening public? A miserable, alcoholic, grumpy Scottish detective. Yeah moping around Scotland solving <laughs> various murders. That was a good impression there. But it went on for ages. Like the principal character whose character's name was Taggart, the actor was the cousin of Alex Ferguson, the manager of Manchester United. That's true. Um but he died, didn't he? he was I think he was bit of a boozer but he wasn't that young but died still relatively young didn't he but the the television series carried on uh for a long 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 time after there was no tagger in tagger anymore but the way you described it then i think you could probably go into like a production company office with that statement and they would still now go that's an amazing idea for a crime series 
I'll commission 30 series now. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's an all right uh, detective. Show. Fairly, yeah, fairly towards the grisly end of your. Wait, would you say throw series. up in your hat, grisly, or. Throw, yeah, throw, throw up in your hat due to. Throw up in your uh, tamashanta, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. You'll get letters. Uh, from Lorraine, probably <laughs> my Scottish girlfriend. And anyway, something that's not quite as throw up in your hat, violent anyway, is Highway, which begins in oh. 1983. Oh right, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Highway, for people who don't know, was a, essentially a religious program presented by Sir Harry Seacombe, who used to be a member of the Goons, a radio comedy troupe, very very influential. And suddenly, most well. People of our age mainly knew him because he'd be on this program called Highway, singing songs with his booming Welsh voice. Yeah. Roland Ratt makes his debut in 1983 as well. Yeah, cool. He was on, it was on Breakfast TV, which was a TV program called TVAM, which was struggling to retain viewers. And they introduced a puppet rat yep. called Roland Ratt and became a smash hit. That was it. <laughs> That's what it took in 83. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. with uh, Errol the Hamster and Kevin the Gerbil. Me! We used to talk like that. Yeah, Kevin the Gerbil. Me! used to talk like that, didn't he? He, was, he literally became a superstar. He was a puppet who became a superstar <laughs> in the UK. It's, it's, it's hard to fathom, really. There's a Roland Rat album as well where all the characters have different songs. And Kevin the Gerbil has a song about a pink bucket, which is some weird dub reggae number. It's it's the most baffling thing nice to, so i recommend anyone from abroad who doesn't know who roland rat is to at least look up uh, roland rat and and marvel at what we were in thrall at in the uk in 1983 so they oh no one thing i didn't mention i don't remember this but it's got quite a reputation channel four started a program called mini pops oh yeah i've never heard of it I've I've seen clips of it after the fact. I didn't see it at the time. Um, yeah, it just kids singing pop songs of the day. Was it basically? Yeah. It, well, I say it's on the list because it ended in 1983. Mm. I think it started in 1982, but it didn't last very long because not only were they singing <laughs> singing hits of the day, they were also dressing them up like the pop stars. So there was like these hypersexualized outfits put on these kids, and people thought this ain't right. Even in 1983, people thought the same, right? Which is uh, it must be bad. So yeah, it's it lingers only in terms of reputation rather than anything else mm -hmm. for for being a strange experiment into uh, the world of kids singing pop songs. Which really, who who wants that anyway? <laughs> even at a basic level. So did you guys pick something from 1983, an album and a film that you would like to recommend? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, well, go ahead, Morgan. Tell us what your picks were. Oh, go on then. Um, well, albums-wise, I mean, there was actually loads of um, stuff that came out in 1983 that I could have picked. I mean, particularly punk-wise, it was a great year for a lot of stuff that I like, with debut albums by the likes of the Subhumans and Rudimentary Peni and the Dicks, uh, all these charming bands. But um, <laughs> what I decided to actually recommend was, um, as you know, I'm a, a massive fan of Alice Cooper, both the original group and as a solo artist. Um, mm -hmm. like by 1983, he was pretty much washed up. He'd sort of, I think, his uh, descent into free bass and cocaine had kind of um, 
stopped him touring and the record sales were right down. But uh, 1983, whilst kind of like at the very bottom, he uh, released an album called Dada. Oh, yeah. Um, produced by Bob Edgerin, again, who worked with him a lot on a lot of the classic stuff years before. Um, and it's an absolute masterpiece, totally underrated, really genuinely slightly unsettling kind of fascinating dark weird album and i would strongly recommend it to anyone so worthy of the title dada as you know reflecting sort of that version of surrealism that is even less connected to reality it's sort of strange mysterious unsettling there's a certain amount of that and also i think it's a it's a play on words because it's also there's there's some father issues being worked out through it as well so it's also dada yeah um I see. And yeah, it's it's still got a sense of humour, uh, but it's much less campy than you expect from Alice Cooper, really. Mm. And yeah, like funny, but darkly funny and a bit unsettling. But um, yeah, really well worth a listen. And then obviously after that, he had a, a few years off to get sober and then came back uh, as the born again Christian kind of um, horror pantomime that we all know and love today. But uh, it's, it's sort of the last really great Alice Cooper album. Oh, excellent. Excellent pick. And you pick a movie? Uh, yeah, well, there were a few things, that, again, that I was considering going for. But I think my pick from 83 would be uh, The King of Comedy. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, the Martin Scorsese movie. Um, it doesn't have quite the reputation that the likes of Taxi Driver or Mean Streets or those, some of those other collaborations with uh, Robert De Niro have. But I've always found it to be a... A, a particularly good one i think um entertaining and kind of a little bit unnerving in, in uh, equal measures really and i've not your seen... picks are very dark <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe it's just something something about 1983 i don't know but uh, that that that's 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 what stood out for me when i was uh, looking at uh, lists of what was released that year i've, I've always been fond of that movie oh smashing okay steve what are your picks yeah, I must admit, I um, I had no problem at all with 1981. 1983, I don't know, it's not, not a huge amount going on, in, as I couldn't remember really. But then I, I got thinking about an album that I always used to love. Um, well, I suppose it's do, but I've not listened to it for many years. Uh, who doesn't like a bit of pyromania? You know? <laughs> all right. So I, I think that would perhaps be my suggestion for uh, 1983. The rise of the Mutt Lang uh, produced uh, Def Leppard album. Yes, it's all very <laughs> silly, but um, yeah, <laughs> started a bit of a started a bit of a subgenre, I suppose, didn't it? Really, uh, that's the light which, to the Alice Cooper dark that Morgan's yeah. brought in. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I could go. You see, I, I love all my very early Iron Maiden, apart from, and I've never been a huge fan of Peace of Mind, which was nineteen eighty three. Oh, the whole piece of mind got some good stuff on it. It it has, yeah, but it's just never. You see, we've given eighty two a, a miss, haven't we? Which yeah, yeah. would have been, without a doubt, a number of the beast. But um, and what about a movie? Uh, yeah, and movies as well. I'm, I'm nothing's jumping out at me movie wise. I can't think of anything. Uh, I tried to rack my brains and just done even a bit of googling of nineteen eighty three movies and nothing's uh, jumping out would you pick one of the bond films then <laughs> well i don't know well <laughs> not really no. see i'm looking here and smoking the bandit part three came out now that's the one that doesn't even have um, <laughs> um what's his face in it 
Uh, or there's some bad films here. Psycho 2. It's mm. a pussy. Never say never again. See, they're all all meaning of life, 1983. Well, yeah, indeed. It, there were it seems to me 1983 is a total transitory year, isn't it, in mainstream Jaws 3D. <laughs> oh, now there's a film. Oh, I'll tell you what, Gorky Park. I didn't know that was 1983. That's a good film, actually. Oh, okay. An excellent, excellent book and a pretty decent film as well. Oh, there we go. Oh, there's your picks. I did struggle as well to come up with something for, for 1983. And although Monty Python's Meaning of Life came out as a film, uh, and I do love it, I really, really do, I've picked as my album Monty Python's Meaning of Life, the album. <laughs> Just because the songs in it are so good, it's really nice to hear them like on a record, yeah. uh, as well as it's got loads and loads of the stuff from the film literally just on on the album it's not one of their most conceptual albums but it is pretty a pretty weird retelling of the film in mm-hmm. terms of the way they frame it but i just like the songs so much they're so nicely put together that uh, it's nice to have that as an album so i've picked that as an album which leaves me without <laughs> without a film but i ended up picking war games yeah that's a good film I used to be obsessed with it because it was about computers and I used to be obsessed with the notion of computers and also the idea that computers could talk to each other through this thing called a modem. There was the sequence in the film where he, he essentially hacks into the school computer and changes his grades on the thing. What's the game called? Falcons? Oh, I can't even remember what the game's called. But Fal- Falcons something or other. It's... It was this. It's the fact that he goes and he finds the password for the day for this computer, and it's pencil. And so I've always, I always joke whenever I'm putting a password in. Now I, I say out loud to myself while I'm tapping away, pencil. So there you go. I, I like that. So Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Well, Matthew Broderick in um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off hacks into the school computer in that film as well doesn't he oh, yeah. Ch- changes his grades oh blimey i'm probably <laughs> his, getting the two attendance rec- i'm probably getting record. the two confused as well now that's the amazing <laughs> thing so because i don't particularly like ferris bueller either oh ferris bueller's great yeah yeah it's called falcon. oh no I'm, not, I'm no i'm fine i have that's right that's okay yeah falcon's maze is the name of, yeah, of that, the that's thing. the one yeah <laughs> they have to go the the, the they have to go and find him on his island or something in some woods, don't they? Yeah. To help him stop the uh, nuclear destruction of the world. <laughs> yeah. So as far as computer games uh, based fil- or computer based films go, uh, you know, War Games is still up there. War Games, and then a little later on, there's a film called I don't know what year it came out. A film called Daryl. Oh, um, yeah. data analyzing robot youth life form which i well, like i like because it's sort of got a technological aspect to it and he flies in the uh the lockheed blackbird so um, what more could you ask for it's your favorite matthew broderick computer hacking movie <laughs> anyway i think we've given enough recommendations for a 1983 a difficult year but you know if you're feel you want to escape from the imminent threat of nuclear disaster either in domestic fuel supply or from soviet attack <laughs> then you can settle down with alice cooper's dada before you pop off and watch octopussy <laughs> god <laughs> jesus then you'll spent. become to the conclusion that you've not really missed much yeah you're praying <laughs> for the missiles anyway okay that's that's our bonus episode for this for this week i hope everyone's uh enjoyed that little bit of nonsense and we'll be back with 
lightning before too long. So I'm going to say ta-ra. Goodbye. And fairly well. Mm-hmm.